How can we help our people when they struggle with anxiety and worry? And how can we overcome the worries we find in our own hearts? Dr. Timothy Lane is our guest this week discussing how we can replace anxiety and worry with lasting peace. It's all on episode 77 of the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host, podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, Andrew Hess. Well, thanks for tuning in to episode 77 of the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm Andrew Hess, your host. And this week we're talking with Dr. Timothy Lane. Dr. Lane is the president of the Institute for Pastoral Care and the co-author of the popular book, How People Change. In this conversation, we talked to Dr. Lane about practical wisdom on how we can help our people resist anxious and worrisome thoughts. And now, here's our conversation with Dr. Timothy Lane. Well, Dr. Lane, a privilege to have you as our guest on the Church Leaders Podcast today. Thanks, Andrew. It's great to be with you. You have done a lot of great ministry, especially working with pastors and ministry leaders. And Dr. Lane, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you today about is is a book that you have out on worry, on how we can move past worry in our lives. Can you tell us why you decided to write a book on worry? You know, the the idea really was uh, brought up by the publisher, the Good Book Company. Uh, They're based in London, and they approached me and knew of my background in in counseling and pastoral ministry, and, and they said, we need a book that's addressing the whole issue of worry because it's epidemic. And, um, and so at that, uh, at that kind of suggestion, I started thinking about the topic. Uh, I started seeing worry more in my own life and uh, began to, to research and, and write the book. So that's kind of where it emerged. Yeah. And for those listening, do you feel like there are a lot of people who, who might have a worry problem and not know it? Or do you think most people are aware of the problem? You know, I, I think all of us worry Oftentimes, if you don't struggle with it in an intense way, you might not be aware of it, but all of us have this sense of angst. You know, what if something doesn't turn out right? What if my children don't grow up the way I want them to? What if my career doesn't go the way I want it to to go? There's always a sense of the what ifs that are there in our minds, and that really is at the the core of worry. Mm -hmm. In the book, you you distinguish between um, a right type of concern. I think you call it a godly concern and worry. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between those two? Yeah, the, the, it's interesting. Uh, when you look at the Bible, there's a word called merimanao. That's a Greek word that's used, uh, and it's used to describe bad worry and good worry, which is oftentimes the case when you're looking at uh, you know, Greek. And, and, and the the word merimanao, Greek word, is used differently in different places in Scripture. There are places where Paul talks about, you know, Philippians 2.19, um, he's sending Timothy, who has a, he says, a genuine interest in your welfare or a concern in your welfare. That's a good use of the word merimanao. But there are other places, for instance, in Matthew 6 and Luke 12, where Jesus talks about worry, or even in Philippians chapter 4, where Paul uses the same word, he says, do not be anxious for anything. He's talking about more the bad kind of worry. And so there is a, a good worry, if you will, and the word that we oftentimes use for that would be the word concern. Uh, or, you know, the NIV translates it in other places, genuine interest. 
um, the word that we use for bad worry is anxiety or worry. And, um, and so there's a difference between concern. Concern, you live with this sense of I, I have responsibilities, but I'm going to be dependent upon God, and we pr- have a prayerful dependence upon him in, in our situation. Uh, anxious worry or anxiety bad worry oftentimes doesn't pray at all and you tend to think "Uh oh it's all up to me and so you get hyper vigilant or it's hopeless and you just check out and avoid any kind of situation that makes you fearful or anxious mm-hmm. and so talk about it in the book you give great examples of things like in the past and in the present that can cause worry what are some of the main main causes of worry today Well, oftentimes someone could have an experience that's happened in their past, an experience of suffering, and so it makes them more susceptible to triggers or certain situations that remind them of where they were in great danger. Maybe they were harmed or hurt in some way. And so wrestling with past sufferings is a very, very important part of facing your anxieties. Um, And then... Uh, There are future, the what-ifs, and that seems to be the emphasis that Jesus is taking in in Matthew 6 and Luke 12. Don't worry about what you will eat, what you will wear. It's the what-ifs. What if something doesn't turn out right? And so we're wanting to address worry that comes either from our past or the future and live in the present with a a conscious awareness of his care for us. Mm -hmm. And so let's talk about... When we, when we identify, wow, worry is, is something that, that I struggle with, you know, even the person that's listening right now, um, what are some of the things that they need to work through to, to not let this be uh, such a hindrance to them? Yeah. Well, that's going to depend largely on, you know, how, to what degree their struggle with worry is. And, and oftentimes when I struggle with worry or anxiety is debilitating, it's probably because there are multiple factors that have influenced and shaped that person. Um, and, and that may take a longer period of time for them to grow and begin to change. For others who have kind of a regular daily, if you will, struggle with anxiety, the change may look different. Uh, I really wrote the book with kind of that daily struggle with anxiety in mind. The first thing you need to do is you need to identify that you're struggling with with anxiety. Uh, And in our culture, a lot of people confuse depression and anxiety. Oftentimes people think they're struggling with depression, but in fact what's happening is they're struggling with anxiety, and as they come off a struggle with anxiety, they then lapse into depression because anxiety is such a physiological experience. Uh, Your heart begins to race. You might begin to sweat. Just lots of bodily functions kick in when you're when you're struggling with anxiety. It's the fight or flight instinct in us that's on overdrive, and you have to be able to identify. Okay, now I'm I'm struggling with anxiety. So it's it's first an identification of the struggle, the problem, and then I would say the second thing you need to do is you need to. You need to find your your foundation, ground yourself in grace, in the fact that God is with you and he cares for you. And that's the, that's the theme all throughout Scripture. Fear not, and then it says, for I am with you. That seems to be the very next step. You've got to start in moving in that direction. Um, 
And uh, that, to me, is the critical pivot, if you will, that we have to make as believers to move in the direction of depending upon God, remembering that He cares for us, that He's with us, and that He's going to provide and protect us. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important, and it seems like that truth um, is something that a lot of times we believe in our heads, but in our hearts it doesn't work itself out. Where That's right. And, and talk about that, that kind of that God doesn't promise that everything is going to go the way we want to. Because sometimes, like, the answer to worry isn't, hey, that's not really going to happen. And that's sometimes the first thing we think. Right. You know, or, you know, the classic cognitive behavioral approach is don't worry about getting on, the, on a plane because the chances of you crashing, that plane crashing are, and they give you a very small percentage. And what most people do who struggle with ang- or worry or anxiety is they say, well, that's probably the percentage that this particular flight will fall in. <laughs> um, and so uh, as helpful as that might sound, it actually can be less helpful than you realize. And and I would say that the dynamic, that pivot of moving from trusting in yourself or simply hoping that things are going to turn out and moving in the direction of God is the critical pivot that is a part of any and every struggle in the Christian life. If I struggle with anger, when I find myself getting mildly irritated about something, how do I move in the direction of, wait a minute, God is calling me to do and to think and believe something very different? Um, That's the work of the Spirit. It happens in the context of community within the body of Christ as we're encouraging one another and it's not natural. It's very supernatural for us to pivot and move in, in God's direction, and, and the Bible calls that repentance and faith. And so there's really no technique or gimmick. It really is in that moment crying out to God and just acknowledging, hey, I need help. I'm moving in this direction of anxiety. God, help me. That one kind of cry for help is the first step in the pivot because you're acknowledging God. You're, you're asking him to provide for you, to help you, to meet you in your struggle. Mm, I love that. And, and talk about the opposite of worry. When, when, am I just trying to, to get rid of worry, or is there a virtue that I'm, that I'm trying to add to my life where that would go? Yeah, um, really great question, because you don't want to replace, just uh, have the absence of worry. You want the presence of something. And the presence of something when it comes to anxiety is, I want to move from uh, deep anxiety to deep dependence upon God, owning your responsibilities. Here's, here's what God has called me to do, acknowledging that we live in a, a world that's not safe. Jesus acknowledges that in Matthew 6. He says, there's enough trouble today for you to be preoccupied with. Uh, don't go adding tomorrow's worries to today's worries. So he's actually acknowledging that you need to be realistic. You need to face uh, the fact that you live in a broken world, but you can do that with dependence and faith and uh, God's help, that, and it looks very differently than anxiety. Typically, when you're anxious, you're going to get hypervigilant and try to control your circumstances, or you're going to check out and avoid life and the problems around you. And so the Bible's calling us to rich engagement in this broken world with confidence and joy that God is using us and he's taking care of us and providing for us. Even in death, he's going to take care of us. Mm -hmm. I think control is a big issue for a lot of people. Talk about 
how do we know if maybe our worry is related to a control issue? Well, it typically is because we're trying to control an unpredictable world, which we can't do. And that's why people tend to get hypervigilant, okay? If I can control my circumstances, if I can control this particular situation, then I won't be as anxious. And, and actually, if you look at the, the, uh, the research, those kinds of unhelpful, unproductive coping strategies actually intensify your anxiety because then you start to become more preoccupied. You start, you start to try to control every circumstance and situation. And so faith allows you to hold loosely to what you can't control, but know that God is caring for you. And faith as well keeps you from disengaging and avoiding or running. That's the flight side of, of anxiety. And it, it causes you to move into your fears and anxieties and engage in wise ways. Mm. I want to talk to the pastor who, who might have somebody come in their office for counsel. And, and the pastor quickly realizes, wow, this person is, is very worried about the future. I mean, we, we're having this conversation a week before the election that I think is mm-hmm. probably a source of worry for a lot of folks. You know, what is that pastor? How should that pastor minister? How can he walk with somebody through this? Yeah. Well, the, the way I like to start is, first of all, uh, we want to encourage and ground that person in uh, their identity in Christ that they're a child of God, that God is with them, and he won't forsake them. That would be the, the first place I would begin. The second place I might go is to get the person to see actual evidences of God's faithfulness and work in their lives and around them, uh, the good things that are being produced in them. Because oftentimes when someone's struggling with something like anxiety or another temptation or experience of suffering, the last thing they can see is the good fruit that God is producing in their lives. And so to call their attention to that and and help them be encouraged to say, look, here's proof positive that God is on site in your life and involved. And then the third place I would go probably is tell me what you're worried about. Tell me about your circumstances and your situation. And oftentimes when they start telling you about their circumstances or their situation, you can start to see why they're struggling with worry. They have a lot of things on their plate, uh, unpredictable aspects of life. And to acknowledge that and to say, you know, I I can understand if I were experiencing, facing the same things that you were facing, I would struggle with anxiety too. So there's this movement, you know, to... uh, enter into the person's world, and then you can begin after that, after having built some relational capital and trust, you can begin to call them to a life of faith and repentance and say, you know, is it possible that your confidence has shifted to something in this world that is shakable and you've moved from that place functionally of uh, resting upon and placing your confidence and hope in God, who is unshakable. Um, and, and that's where you begin to engage the person in terms of their struggle with anxiety. Mm-hmm. One, of the th- one of the things I've, I've heard people recommend um, is, is kind of making peace with the worst possible, with your worst possible fear. Like, th- you know, thinking through the things you're worried about and just making peace with those things actually happening. What do you think of that advice? You know, uh, Jesus takes that angle in, in a unique way in Luke 12, um, right before he 
talks about worry in Luke 12. It's the same teaching that you find in Matthew 6. He actually says, I want you to think about something that you really should be worried about. And he says, don't be afraid of of him who can destroy the body, but be afraid of, be worried about the one who can not only destroy the body, but also the soul. And a lot of commentators say, you know, it sounds like he's talking about the evil one, but he's not. He's actually talking about God. And then he goes on to say, you can find hope and forgiveness from this God because he's provided his son. And so you ought to be worried about something, and that is your eternal state, the reality of uh, your relationship with God. You're separated from him. That should deeply concern you, worry you, make you anxious so that it drives you to find grace in Christ. And, and therefore, your worst possible thing in life that should worry you has been taken away because of what Jesus has done for you. So there is some, some truth in that. You know, a lot of people say, uh, expect the worst, hope for the best. But I think there's more going on here than that. That That's a cognitive kind of trick that you're playing in your own mind. Mm-hmm. When uh, when Jesus is asking us to be concerned about something, he's not just saying, I want you to do a trick or a gimmick in your own mind. I want you to get outside of your head and talk to God and realize that he's got your back um, and you're safe and secure in him. Mm. One of the parts in the book that I, I found really helpful was you talked about the worry spiral. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about just kind of how worry can spiral in our in our lives? Yeah, I think um, you know that's the trajectory of worry. If we don't begin to address it um, early on, it just begins to take on a life of its own. And uh, Paul is actually struggling with worry as he is leaving Athens and going to Corinth in uh, Acts 18. Um, we, we know Paul's circumstances were circumstances that would make most people anxious. He, he's been through a lot of suffering. He's been persecuted. He's been beaten. And he's leaving Athens where, for all we know, there was ministry failure. There wasn't a church planted there, and he's going to Corinth. And Corinth isn't the safest city on the planet um, at that time that Paul is, is uh, ministering. And so Paul is deeply anxious, and Jesus actually meets him. Uh, in the midst of his anxiety, and begins to speak to Paul and encourage Paul. And uh, he begins to address uh, just the details of the, the the fear or worry spiral. Let me see if I can, uh, I want to find that page. Um, yeah, so uh, Jesus uh, approaches Paul. This is the post-resurrected Jesus, and as Paul struggles with with worry and fear, Jesus says, do not be afraid. And that's a command. Don't be afraid. Um, then Paul, as he struggles with paralysis, as he starts to shut down and get silent, Jesus says, keep on speaking. Do not be silent. So there's that tendency to check out that Paul is is facing. And Jesus says, lean into your anxieties and fears. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. That's another command. And then the third thing that can happen, phase three, is just isolation. You know, I, I feel abandoned. I feel alone. God is remote. And that's where Jesus comes in with this wonderful promise, and he says, for I am with you. That's a powerful promise that oftentimes I think gets lost on us in the midst of worry and anxiety. Uh, the fourth phase is paranoia. You start to worry about other people. Other people get 
scary. You're, uh, they're not safe. And Jesus says, no one is going to attack and harm you. And uh, we know that ultimately for the believer, even in death, Jesus has the last and final word over us, not any other human being. And then phase five is hopelessness. Uh, you can begin to feel like nothing matters. That's where you begin to check out as well. Why bother? Why not just give up? And Jesus says, I have many people in this city. Uh, so there's Jesus's counsel. Don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. No one is going to attack and harm you. I have many people in this city. And I, I often hear people say this, well, if Jesus would show up you know, and appear to me in my struggle with anxiety, I wouldn't worry either. To which I like to respond, um, look what Jesus says. He really doesn't say anything new. You would think that if he's approaching Paul in this unique situation, he's this special missionary to the Gentiles, Jesus is going to say something new to Paul, but he doesn't. He actually repeats everything that you will find all the way back in the Old Testament. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. And so those words are intended uh, to comfort us as well. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I love that. I love meditating on the words of Christ and even thinking about, if, if Christ is with me, what is he saying to me in the midst of this worry? Well, and, and that's, um, that's that relational piece that I think is different from even helpful techniques that you might get from cognitive behavioral therapy. There is this relational piece. God is saying, I am in relationship with you. I'm with you. This is not just a technique or a skill or a gimmick. You have a God who loves you and cares for you. And I think that that's the, the piece that often gets lost on us, but it's what we're always being called to as Jesus addresses us in our fears and worries. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, you know, even in, as they listen to this conversation, are thinking about somebody in their life, or maybe many people in their life, who, who struggle with worry but might not see how deeply their, their worry is impacting them. What's the best way to love somebody that, that we care about who might not realize that they're a worrier? Yeah. We, we take our cues from the way Jesus approaches us when we struggle with worry. He doesn't wag a finger from heaven in our face and shame us or guilt us. He says, do not be afraid, for I'm with you. And I think we take the same angle with you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, people we love who struggle with anger. Uh, we incarnate the love of Christ by being present with them. You know, we're going to walk with you in the midst of your fears. Uh, Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.14. He says we're to confront the idle, but we're to encourage the fearful, uh, fearful or anxious. So, you know, fearful, anxious people need lots of encouragement, and they need uh, physical, tangible reminders of the love of God, and that is oftentimes what we can be as we walk with people who struggle with anxiety. That's a good word. Dr. Lane, thank you so much for, for your wisdom in this regard. Your book, Living Without Worry, How to Replace Anxiety with Peace, we'll link to it in the show notes for this episode. But thanks so much for, for sharing with us today. Yeah, you're welcome. And just uh, for your uh, listeners, if they go to my website, timlane.org, I've been writing written about four or five blogs on the whole topic of anxiety, and we'll be writing about that many more. So they can find more information there than is even actually in the book, but it complements nicely what I've written in the book. Excellent. We'll, we'll link to that as well.
Thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks again to Dr. Lane for joining us this week as our special guest on the Church Leaders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and consider sending this episode to somebody you know who might be blessed by listening to it. Also, be sure to download the show notes for this episode and every episode at churchleaders.com forward slash podcast. In those show notes, we always include resources mentioned in the show and links to some of our guest top content on churchleaders.com. As always, if you have ideas for how we can improve this podcast or guests that you'd love to hear us interview, email us at podcast at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.